All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. Check, one, two, three, check, check, one, so, check, check, one, two. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes you just have to go with the flow. <laughs> Steve's looking mad nervous right now because we're not following the rules of the show from an engineer standpoint. <laughs> but I don't know. I just felt the need. We don't have to do roll call every time. Right? We don't know how we're uh, going to clear this shit, but it don't matter. <laughs> I will say, yes, for starters, if you're, if you're tuning in late, this is uh, Questlove Supreme on iHeartRadio, and uh, we're, we're still here with three Supremas, because I have them locked in chains. See what I did there, guys? Locked in chains. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Boss Bill, Laia, and Sugar Steve are with us. Woo! Uh, apparently, unpaid Bill met a woman named Lady Sunshine, Oh. and uh, he left us a dear John note that said he ain't never coming back. Oh. <laughs> uh, Fontigolo apparently is still smoking very strong cigarettes, and he said he'd be back for visitation Sundays in a month. Indica. So, <laughs> what I will say is that when time has passed and the smoke is cleared, I really hope that the storytellers and the history makers and the history tellers will be kind to our next guest, whether as a collective or as individuals, as an artist, producers, songwriters, or just plain old session musicians, or just three really talented musicians, our guests today have made impact in history, and they march to the beat of their own drum, their own weird drum, whether we know it or not. Sing it, Steve. And I'll be honest, I think Bill can agree with me, Boss Bill can agree that the gems of the discovery for this episode alone yeah. uh, rates 10 on the O-Ship meter. Yes, yes. Um... And we graciously thank them for doing us the honor of celebrating with them 30 years of truth, weirdness, cleverly hidden snark. Right. Hello, Vanna White. How you doing? <laughs> Zero compromises, as far as I know. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one and only Peter Lord, V. Jeffrey Smith, and Sandra St. Victor. A special treat for all you music experts and nerds and connoisseurs out there, professionally known as the family stand. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. Now every intro has to be like that. I know, right? Right? I think a new I think a new standard has been set. And I really had a good roll call, but you know, no, I, had too, two, I had two of them. I knew one of y'all was going to steal <laughs> steal one of them. Now, see, I wasn't even going to do the obvious one. I have to say that uh, this is this is one that I didn't see coming. Really? Why? I, I didn't see coming. I just now I see it coming. I appreciate it. You know, I, just when when your name appeared on the wish list of oh, Family Stan want to do Quest Love Supreme, we're like. Rrr. Thank you. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I'm happy. Yeah. Boss Bill's happy. Everyone's happy. Yes, I'm not happy. worried about a thing. You're not worried about a thing. <laughs> That's what's up. Um, so d- d- has this always been this way with you guys? Like you just. Pretty much. Yeah, no doubt. I break mean, out. And, is that the bond that kept you together? The, the music. Adhesive? The music has always <coughs> been the thing. I mean, we, we we can hang out and have good fun. And, you know, we. we we are compatible mm-hmm. outside of music, but the thing that always brings us back is that music, because we are like I, I call them my musical soulmates, and I mean that sincerely. They literally are. I mean, I've never been connected or bonded with anyone one the way I am with Peter and Jeff, and I call them my powers, towers of powers. Powers that be. The towers. <laughs> when I'm between them, I'm the safest that I am in the world. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Well, here this is a tradition on Questlove Supreme because um, any guest that comes on the show always want to find out what brought them to where they are now. And, you know, the, the first question I always have, well, there's three of you now, so this is going to be an extra long episode. This might be, <laughs> this might tie Jimmy Jam's record. Oh, oh, can I take my shoes off? For six or? hours. Yes. Yeah, you can. That's why we brought you to Reservoir. This is home. Make yourself okay, cool. I'm yeah. like, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. You got feet made for radio, so it's all right. I got radio <laughs> feet. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you, oh, sweetheart. Brother. Thank, so, Thank you. They know. They what know. What I'll do is uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go from my, my right to left. Uh, my first question for you, Pete. Yes, is sir. Uh, for, first, uh, where where were you born? Uh, I was born in Brooklyn, New York. Really? I'm from Brooklyn. Okay. Same hospital as Michael Jordan. <laughs> nice. Okay. Off, off Atlantic Avenue. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait, what hospital is that? Uh, what'd you say? What hospital is that? I think it was St. Joseph's or something like that. Off Atlantic. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And Sandra, where were you? Dallas, Texas. I know. Yes, you know. I know you were. <laughs> Big of D. Course. Yeah. Yeah. And all right, so you're the Big D, and then Detroit's the D. Okay, the D. That's another thing. Okay, so the Big all D. All sounds good. I see. Ride that D. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, Jeff? Oh. Oh. HR. Never saw. Yeah. Never, 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 never. This is XM <laughs> Radio or Triple X. <laughs> yeah, Triple X. Uh, and v, v. Jeffrey. Um, I was born in Harlem, Harlem Hospital. Really? Yeah, the old one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm a man of a certain age, so <laughs> the old one as the opposed one. to yeah, the one that's here. There was one on one. thirty one thirty fifth and Lennox. Was it? No, it's not Lennox. It's, I think it's a little further over. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's the old one. I, oh, like the, I said, oh, I'm the, a man of a certain age, so okay. I don't think people even know about that that one. An older, okay. An older Harlem hospital. Like Fred- yeah. Frederick Douglass was born there, right? Same time? We start early. We start early. Here we go. We can't wait. Here we go. Y'all in the right place. That's all right. So then I'll ask, what year, Sandra, what year did you come to New York City? 1982. Okay. Yeah. Visiting was, a few times, or you you nah, officially that was it. just I just rolled up, and it was a 
crazy roll up. But yeah, I rolled up in 1982. Really? <laughs> it was crazy. Kind of the opening to a song that wasn't written yet, Welcome to the Jungle, like yeah. you got yeah. off the bus. It was freaking nuts. You know, it was a Roy Ayers roll up. So okay. he had us set up and it was, uh, there's a whole thing there. But yes. I got it. Okay. <laughs> okay. We got time. Now, <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm going to get to that. Okay. So then I'm, I'm just, my ba- my first four questions are always just the, the basic foundations of who you are as individuals before yeah. we get in the collective. All right, so what is, uh, Peter, what is your first musical memory? Very first musical memory. This is going to give away age. But uh, this is why we're already late. Cause, we're all, yeah, we're we're already all mature there. here. Yeah, we're all mature. That's right. Yes. Um, the first song I remember hearing was Hit the Road Jack. Okay. Hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more. What you say? And that's, that's my first musical memory, Hit the Road Jack. Okay. And uh, and then I remember being, my sister having a party at around, I think it was 1968 or 9, and she played that Sly album, and my life was never the same after that, mm-hmm. though I didn't realize it yet. Mm-hmm. And But the really reason I, I got into music industry was, be, was because of um, of Satan, and that was because, <laughs> and, and he I, follows you till this yeah, day. And I tell you, what, I know a lot of us, you know, um, um, people of a certain hue would like to say that God, Jesus got into music, but Satan got me into music because of the movie The Exorcist. And I tell you why, Please. because the movie came out, and I was so afraid to go to sleep. I started playing the radio every night, ah. and then, ah, that's how ah. I went from. Oh, I went tangential. Ah. Oh, tangential. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yo. yo, we went tangential. All right, so I, so I was. So that's that. Every, every shadow was like you know a Linda Blair. I turned the head around, so I started playing the radio every every night. So I wake up in the morning. I got this new song. I'm so tired of being alone. I thought about that all myself. Really? You know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, 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 that was Al Green. Oh, well, I, you know. But then I kept hearing Stevie and and those people doing the radio during that. I'm like, oh, I think I like music because I'm hearing songs in my head. Wait, I gotta <laughs> say something. I don't think I've ever shared this story before, but. Uh, now, now that makes sense because when you think of the boogeyman or whatever, yeah. the first thing you want to do is distract yourself from whatever you think is under the bed or in the closet. So you put music on to yeah. be an invisible roommate. Frank Zappa had um, did a film, a short film with Bill Plimpton, uh, yeah, 1973, whatever, and it came on Midnight Special. But this thing, like, he turned into a demon. Uh-huh. He, I mean, if you know Frank Zappa's music, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like four fingers turned into 75 billion fingers. <laughs> and I had nightmares of Frank Zappa forever. Mm-hmm. And so thus, my mom, I totally forgot. That's how music really, I had her on 24-7 because I was scared of oh, wow. Frank Zappa getting me. Yeah, that was it, see? <laughs> we connected, bro. <laughs> so, Sandra, what, what was your first musical memory in addition to the first music that you purchased or owned, ah. and the moment that changed your life and brought you to music. Okay, well, so the first and the last question are probably about the same. And that's the first musical memory. I, I My parents and my aunts tell me about stuff that I did when I was two, like mm-hmm. playing the piano, and they said I was fiddling around, playing skate, and I figured out that the scale was joy to the world. <laughs> <laughs> so they said, but dude, I was, they said I was two. I'm like, yeah, I don't remember this, but they tell me, said you were two, and you said, da, 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 da. and I said, George to the world, the Lord has come. So <laughs> well, it was George to the world. Right, right. I don't recall that, but my first musical memory is, um, 
I was I had chores and I had to clean, dust the these these coffin looking bedazzled lamps in the <laughs> in the living room. And uh, as I was consoling myself while I was cleaning, I started singing. Mm-hmm. And as I was singing, I said, "I'm a singer." I was like eight. I said, "I am." I didn't say I don't want. To, I didn't say I want to sing. I said, "I am a singer," and it's new from that, and it's never changed from that moment. Never anything else. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that was the first. That's like the first real solid memory. And that also is the last question. When mm-hmm. it, that's the thing that changed my life as far as. I, it was no question at that point who I was in my own, you know, in my own, you know, skin. I knew from that point. I forgot your second question, though. Um, <laughs> so, the first record you purchased. Too. Ah, okay. So, yeah, ah, uh, the first thing I probably purchased was Songs in the Key of Life or Larry Graham's Mira. That's the first thing I probably wow. purchased. Nice. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Because okay. I, I was young, but I had a little allowance and. And that was about that time, and those were the first albums I had. Songs of Kill Life and Mirror. And Mirror. Yeah. yeah, I love that record. Jeff, what was your first musical memory? Around my house, there was a lot of music, because my mother, she sang, and she used to have, like, these parties. Well, I don't I don't want. I don't know exactly what to call them now, because <laughs> uh, you know. Was there, there a card game? Was there a knife? There was a lot of stuff going on. And Jen, there was a lot of stuff <laughs> a going on. A blue light on. or a red light. Me and my sister was under a chair watching them play music all night. But at at the same time, the music that we would listen to was uh, things like Brooke Benton and the first thing that song that. I remember is Booker T and the MGs. What's the song that? But uh, Green uh, Onions. Uh, Green Onions, right? Right. Until this day, I say Stevie probably copped that with. Um, oh, for Higher Ground. Higher Ground. Because <laughs> when I first heard Higher oh, Ground, I said yeah. Stevie Stevie Jack that song. You know, I mean, he added his little twist, but that's probably the first memories of, and okay. also, um, I was made to love her. Okay. That was, but the but the music that really changed my life was music of my mind. Really. Very well. I believe I know you well. There's a, another uh, observation I'm making right now that's rare for our guests. It sounds like that at a very early age, music isn't uh, an obstacle in your household. Usually, with our guest on the show. There's a, like Charlie Wilson, like people have to sneak wow. to listen to records. Like the only secular record they're allowed to listen to is what's going on or that sort of thing. So you're saying even at an early age and discovering music, oh, yeah. your parents were no doubt. more than okay. Well, what type of parents did you guys have that were so open to? Whoa. Well, I had a parent. That's a can of worms. Well, can you hear me? Well, yeah, I can hear you. Well, I had a parent. Well, my mother was a nurse and my father was... A communist, so that creates an artist. So he was open. He was open. He was open-minded to begin with. A little bit too open-minded, but um, so. And my oldest sister uh, was into music, and my father sang. So we weren't. We weren't. And I was baptized Catholic, so we weren't like a um, a religious Baptist. You know, music is evil type of fam. You know. So you had an alternative. Uh, Semi-alternative. Well, yeah. different from <laughs> yeah. what m- most yeah, black exactly. people at the time. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Because my, fa- my father was uh, actually, uh, 
he went to uh, he graduated from Harvard. He uh, he was a lawyer. He was a um, uh, a columnist, a major paper, and, and a professor. But he was seriously a communist and got caught up in the 1950s scandal. So his whole career ended up being a teacher in, in Jersey City. Um, so my parents got divorced around 1963. Is this when the violins come in? And um, <laughs> well, explain yeah. explain yeah. to me the repercussions of that. If you if the the government was trying to vent out who was a communist based yeah, exactly. on. So, so even though he had, you know, he was, he had a Harvard law degree and was a doctor of philosophy and wrote books about history, the fact that he was a communist, he got outed and was, and he, he was taught in a school in Albany and was forced to leave there. Hi, and, Paul. Is your dad Paul Robinson? No, you know, <laughs> he hung with Paul Robinson. There's a picture of him. And, there's a picture of him and Paul Robinson and Joe Lewis and this big, you know, party. Uh, Back in the like late forties, he had me like late in his later in his life. Yeah, but, I remember. I mean, were yeah. his beliefs that he was just anti-capitalist or just? Um, he was he uh, he was an atheist, in in fact. But my mother wasn't, uh, even though she wasn't necessarily religious. But she went just, and my grandmother, um, Jamaican and very religious, wanted to make sure I didn't. Yeah. How did that work? It's a lot of conflict. I was about to say, yeah, right? most yeah, Jamaicans yeah, I know are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that close to That's God. That's why he's a genius. Because yeah, look yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. So, uh, crazy. So, so my, so my, are you Gemini? I was just about to ask. I'm like, a Leo. Leo. Uh, yeah, he's a Gemini. You better be a Gemini because <laughs> I think your album is. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so they were open minded in terms, in terms of, in terms of that, in terms of music. So they, you know, they love music, and she actually wanted me to. I think she wanted me to get music, music. But my sister was actually went to music and art. I didn't go. I went to Erasmus High School in Brooklyn. And, okay. uh, oh, actually, no, I didn't. I was, went to Walt Whitman <laughs> Junior High School in Brooklyn, and to make sure I didn't have to fight the same people I did in Walt Whitman when I went to Erasmus, I made sure I passed that test to go to Stuyvesant High School. So that's what so I ended up Isn't there. that Tip's story as well? It sounds familiar. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. Like, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so I ended up going, but I wasn't you know, in music. But music wasn't such a, there wasn't a block to music in my house and that, so that was fortunate. So was there a uh, most... The, the 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 sort of hip hop uh, narrative is basically with gang activity mm -hmm. in New York in the seventies and sort of waning out in the eighties. But was that an everyday thing in your your teenhood? What, I hear it a lot in the West Coast, but you rarely hear what it. Thing, for, what the thing is. <laughs> Uh, let's say I was a different type of kid. So, uh, yes, so you were. Uh, yeah, so yes, you were. <laughs> so all, nope. yeah, I want to know how you survived and yeah. navigated this. Actually, I kind of ignored a lot of stuff. Uh, okay, and I don't not a conscious thing. I mean, I just wasn't into it. You know what I mean? So I was, I just wasn't this definitely into gangs or fighting and all that Ugh. stuff. It was but my, how do you avoid it? Because normally they choose you. I I guess they thought I was so weird. They didn't know what to do with me, and I just didn't. You know. Ah, you know the Amir look, route. Yeah, the me. I, I was just yeah. I was just <laughs> just so kind of out, you know. And that I had like a weird kind of childhood, like in Brooklyn, or, and and so there was a lot of fights and stuff. And but I was, as opposed to getting to the fights, I was I was kind of stupid kid in a way because I was scared of people I should have been scared of because I had a bunch of brothers and I had no brothers. But one day, one day I found out later was the biggest bully in the neighborhood. Took my we used to play this game. People don't play anymore. Called punch ball. It's kind of like baseball. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, thought yeah. of a punch ball. So, so this guy, this guy took my ball, and I said, "Give me my ball." He said, "No." 
and I punched him in the face. Oh. And then everybody said, do you know you just punched you him in the, the face? You're the biggest prisoner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> okay. but, but, I punched him in the face. But, 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 then it was, but then it was like, do you know you just hit him? And then after I realized who I hit, then I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> but then the guy became friends with me and looked out for me. He didn't mess with you no more, yeah, right? But he looked That's out for works. me yes. for, for a bunch of other kids who were really tougher than even worse he was. So, I'm, Well, I'm glad you had that because I... I can't imagine a childhood growing up where you don't have that one person that's like, I'm going to get the fuck you up. Oh, like, no. I, I didn't. Ha- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never had that. So I just ran yeah. home. Yeah. With the quickness. So, Sandra, <laughs> in Dallas. Yeah. Okay. Is. What was Dallas at the time in your childhood? Because yeah. I think of Austin as a blue city. In a red state, or, mm-hmm. or or at least they would like to paint that. Or now it is. Yeah, for sure. Or yeah. you know, we don't even know now. Yeah. But Texas trying to go blue, right? But in purple now. But I'll say that the times that I went there, at least with my gracious host, uh, uh, El Head Rappo. <laughs> <laughs> is that me? Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, you. oh, oh, Erica, I'm done. Oh my God, Head Rappo, El Head Rappo. Um, we all she showed me sides of Dallas that I didn't even know existed. I've been there plenty of times, and I was like, "Oh, there are people like me down here." What was it like for you growing down there? Yeah, it was. It was. It was like the the, the two sides of the tracks, you know. Uh, and uh, my dad, who came from like him and his brothers, mm-hmm. him and his brothers. I mean, the first gun I saw was my dad's. Okay, my dad. It was like a pimp back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. And it, you know, the, I've I, I stum- stumbled upon those pictures. But so Dallas, when I was growing, up, was very divided. So he had he had decided at some point that he was gonna, you know, leave the the gang life behind a little bit. You know, at least Aww. at least on the front. At I least wanted to use the- this. <laughs> you can, you can, you can, because trust. Because let me tell you something. My daddy didn't really leave that shit behind. So what I'm telling you is, what I'm telling you. So he he kind of oh like God. you know. So he we got a great job. He you know moved up first black supervisor at the phone company. All kind of crap. But but my like my mother's family lived on the other side of tracks. So when we had to go visit them, we said, oh snap, this is the real the real right. So. They lived in West Dallas and South Dallas and, you know, in little trailers and like 12 people in one house. And, you know, we went to visit, visit our country cousins. They didn't have shoes. So, like, you know, we wow. was like, oh, damn, we're middle class. I mean, I didn't know the term for it then, but I look, now look back on it. You know, I grew up middle class. Well, you know, I would say lower to middle, middle class. Yeah, close. You know, upper middle, middle class life. Mm-hmm. Know, upper middle class life. But working class. Working class. Working class. You know what I mean? But dad, um, dad, dad's, dad's, dad's like, you know, sort of gangster side never left. I mean, for example, <laughs> when uh, I remember I, I was with this dude. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-oh. Here we go. <laughs> I, no, I know where this is and going. The story begins. Bill it, Sandra. Let's go. I mean, just tell us cute little. I mean, so, and, and uh, you know, he, he wasn't treating me right. And yeah, he yeah, actually, yeah, like, he actually slapped the shit out of me one day. And I like, and I was so stunned. So I got on a flight and I, I was in New York. So I got on a flight and I just went back home. My dad always picked me at the airport. And he picked me up at the airport and I was just quiet. And he was like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, nothing. And he was quiet. It was a 40 minute ride. 
We almost home. He said, did he lay his hands on you? He just guessed it. And I was like, wah! <laughs> 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 bing, bada boom. Oh, no. <laughs> Son. So so we got home. He was, I never saw him get that red. He was like, light skin. He was like, he got home. He picked up the phone. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he called dude. He didn't say shit to me. He just he just picked up the phone. He brought my suitcases in, picked up the phone. He said, I'm on my way. He said, he said, because that dude's name Clark. He said, Clark, this is Mr. Matthews. <laughs> he said, if you ever lay your hands on my daughter again, New York won't be big enough. Oh. I was like, ding. <laughs> Why are you all like that's so romantic? I'm so protective. I just want to know we ever heard from Clark again. I feel like no, actually, I didn't think we did. Yeah, we did not. Like, all right, that would be enough for you, Sandra. <laughs> no, I mean, like, is he alive? <laughs> I really now. could not answer that question. Honestly, I do not know. Okay, no, okay. I did not hear from Clark anymore. Oh, snap. He shut him down. So I mean, he's done that kind. That's kind of thing he does. I mean, you know. He got cute when he got older, when he would just meet ladies. All my girlfriends, who I introduced, he would flirt with and right. and tell them, ah, I'm not a dirty old man. I'm just a sexy senior citizen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, even sh- now. Oh, shit. I'm making no Embarrassed for the shit next out of me. <laughs> yeah, that's You're going to use that line? Pull that one, out. Pull that one okay. out. That was my dad and his brother. Did you learn how to handle a pistol? Oh, I did actually. Okay, okay. Well, she from Texas. Yeah, I mean, I assumed, but I was like, I don't oh, want yeah, you. Oh, yeah. Is that okay? I, can handle mine. I, I, I don't can want to make mine. any I assumptions about Texas whatsoever, but can I assume that that's as simple as breathing air or water? At least we're taught Shooting. to think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say. Uh, I would say seventy percent. I'm not gonna say everybody. You know what I mean? Because everybody, most people don't know how to gun, but knew how to shoot, or the parents. Definitely had guns, right? So you 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 come across it, you know what I mean. So I came across the gun in my in my house. My dad used to keep it on top of the refrigerator. I'm like, why is it on top of the refrigerator? <laughs> That's oh where the God. gun was. So, so when he saw me like find it, he was like, okay, well if you gonna do the gun, you gonna you know, let me show you how. So were you, you know, the only sibling? Yeah, no, I had three. We're all adopted, by the way. Uh, three wow. siblings. Yeah, you were mm-hmm. chosen. Yeah, nice. Three nice. chosen kids. I almost yeah. shot my sister. Wait, <laughs> what? No, 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 no. Let me tell you what happened. We were kids, right? Oh and me God. and my sister were in my 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 stepdad's. I mean, I wasn't like fully familiar with my biological. So my mother had remarried, right? Oh, and yeah. Me and my sister were was playing in her in their room. Found a gun. And uh, <laughs> so we was reaching, a, you know, trying to look for things, and we see this gun, and I'm thinking it's a toy gun so I pointed at my sister and clicked and then I pointed at the ceiling and it went off they came in and they said I didn't know what was happening. They so they was wondering if something had happened upstairs. I was wondering why they were they were tripping. They were tripping. <laughs> so I didn't know it was a real gun. You know, I was like, that's one of my earliest memories because I don't remember much before I was nine. Well, that's Questlove Supreme, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> Good night. Wow. Good night. Steve wow. is sober now. Uh, yeah. Let's <laughs> go. Ain't nobody carrying, right? You know, the family's staying. You got ass now. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's scary. Oh, yeah, that's 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 scary. I mean, I remember no that. That's like kind of a weird kind of thing. It's, it's a blessing. Like you blessed. Like no, seriously, your life you know, would have went differently. Well, I don't. 
you know, I don't believe in luck or anything like that, but yeah. that was a... That's what's up. Yeah, I mean... Somebody was looking out. Somebody's yeah. looking out. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Bring you guys to New York now. What year did you guys meet? Not even as a bit, but like eighty six. Okay, you talking about all of us? The three. Yes. Of us. Okay. Let me, let me take. First. Let me let me take this you, one. Okay. <laughs> you got, go ahead. Break it down. Peter and I met through a mutual fan, friend, uh, Will Downing. Okay. Yes. Me and Will Downing, we used to do a lot of work together. We were writing sessions, all that stuff, and you know, Will used to come over my house, and you know, we used to write, and so he one day he told me that he knew that this guy needed a flute player on a song that he was writing, right? Mm -hmm. And I never forget, the song was in the thick of it, right? Mm -hmm. That's the name of it. I never forgot the name of that song. So he let me hear the song. I said, man, I got to I gotta meet this guy. So he said, oh, I'll bring him over. So uh, Pete 
came over my house, you know, I I said, oh, that's Pete. <laughs> He's he weird. Looked, <laughs> he looked like he had this like Larry Dunny six five. And I'm like, <laughs> so um we started working together and uh at the time you were you had a group, you were with Renee and Angela. Renee and Angela, right? You were doing uh, them at yeah, first. I, oh, yeah. I can't wait for the stories. Yeah. We're not even we're oh. not even gonna get to family stand yet. No, this yeah. is your collective experience. Oh, she's shaking her head no already. Yeah, he was, <laughs> Every <laughs> Renee story it's so, it's, is, is terrible. Yeah, so, I'm ready for this. Okay. I'm ready for the team. So, so it was Renee. It was Renee and Angela, right? They right. were producing the group. Yes, yes, yes. So somehow I convinced Pete. I said, Pete, man, you know, we could do this ourselves. Cause I was always into you know, having uh being in control of our own music. So, you know, we started working together doing a lot of productions and stuff. And so we had a, a bunch of singers coming in doing demos for us because at the time we were w- doing stuff for Sylvia Yaron, Merlin Bob, yeah, and, and Mickey Howard. Mickey Howard. Howard you know, we did Mickey Howard. It's we all did, the weird stuff. The Mac Band. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mac yeah. Band. We did, we did productions on them and we had different singers singing our demos so um lisa fisher was one of the one of our singers now i knew lisa from i met lisa in 1980 on a session that i was doing for billy ocean right so Caroline she was in the studio yeah. she was in the uh <laughs> that's him so that's so casual we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we'll, we'll that's his yeah, sax solo we'll we'll we know this we're gonna get to this <laughs> so you know i met lisa then so we kind of established a, a relationship over the years and then she start, she did some demos for us too and so did we get a Offered a deal, or we just started. No, first, first we met before the, you guys got the offer for the producers deal, because Lisa, Lisa had to go do Luther. She had to go Luther, and, right? And so then she she pulled me in because I met Lisa when she was doing the Crystals, and I still lived in Texas, and I was doing Laissez Fair, and so we hooked up before I moved to New York, and you know, the <laughs> Crystals, the Crystals. She was she was what in. We do? The like crystals, the doo-wop. Yeah, yeah. She was doing the crystals back in the day. Wait a just minute, traveling as not as the original. No, no, no was, I know this. Okay, it was but only that's, one. Of, that's my era. Like, yeah, oh no doubt. So it was, yeah. it was like one original crystal and the other two, and Lisa was one of the other two. Shit, I did shows with Lisa Fisher and I never knew it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. when you were a kid with your dad, you dude. We about. did mad shows with really? the crystal. My dad was like a doo-wop legend oh, so crazy. yeah so Shit. Wow. so anyway yeah 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 um we were using lisa and a bunch of other singers and we told lisa that um we needed a singer and she said oh my girl Sandra lives in dallas and we, i could hook you up with them <laughs> and at the time we were producing this group called the mac band who was out of right? dallas yeah, yeah who uh i think Babyface they produced roses, are red. roses yeah. are red right roses so we were producing some songs on that record so we had to go to dallas to produce them yeah. and that's where we hooked up with sandra at, at a luther vandals, at a luther vandals show I'll never forget. Yeah, it. Lisa invited us to a Luther Vandross. What year was this? 1986. You don't tell Esther. 80, like 86? Had to no, be 86. It had to be 85, 87. No, because no, it was 86. Because I met Pete in 85. Was there air so conditioning 86. on in the stadium when so you went? Yo, wait. Yeah, wait. But wait, because Sandra said, I'll right never now. forget. Yeah, we want you to ever forget, Sandra. He was shady. Yeah, I was minding my own business. She, you know, she, she, 
we said hello, and maybe because she was used to men melting over her, as a, rightfully so, but she just said hello, and I said, oh, how are you doing? And she thought I was being cold, but I think I just had some indigestion that day. So I didn't, <laughs> so I didn't feel like me and my story. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think my stomach was hurting, like, oh, who's he think he is? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say Vic that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds familiar. It's good to see another <laughs> dynamic. That's, I'm trying to say Vic that. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a little Peter Lars. Yeah. Six five. She, she talks. He yeah. like, she's giving you commands. Come exactly. Come on. He looked down his nose at me. I'm, Jeff was like, "Hey, how you doing?" You know, well, he's he like was six up, foot you know. billion. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, he could like look at me, but not look. I was looking at the rest of you, baby. You what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> nice shoes. Nice good shoes. One. Good one. That's, yeah. HR, but good one. Good one. <laughs> oh, it was the eighties. Really, 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 so yeah, say that kind of shit. Okay, right. this is the thing. Freedom. I'm I'm really excited that you guys are on the show simply because the one story that I've not story, but just the one narrative that I never ever got to wrap my head around was what was the environment like for, I guess. Black musicians in trying to navigate through the the mid eighties, like oh, I'm, the the Marcus Millers, the yeah, yeah. the yeah. Bernard Wrights, the the Tawatha G's. Mm-hmm. Like, what what is the stratosphere of you guys? Well, see, you know, all those people you mentioned. So basically, all those people came out of the session scene, right? Right. Okay, so, so the session scene was thick. It's not anymore, right? Yeah. But back then, uh, you had your West Coast session folks, and you had your East Coast session folks, and all the people you mentioned. Maybe Marcus was more West, but no, Marcus you know, was Marcus East, East, East but he ended thought. up going back. Yeah. But so, 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 the, I mean, those people are most, mostly East Coast people, and they came out of sessions mm-hmm. and record labels. We're looking to like you know put push people to the front like M two May and and Tawatha out of M two M two May from from these from that session scene so that's why you got the Mick Murphys and mm-hmm. you know the Bernard Wrights and those folks that came from that scene and also Pete and Jeff you know what I mean they they were offered this producers deal out of the se- because they were doing all these sessions and but was there a collective where like. I mean, I'm talking even deeper, like with Shaka's brother, like Mark Stevens, right, and then all like yeah. all these monsters, yeah. Lenny White, and all those cats. Yeah, they they we we used to hook each other up, man. Oh, I yeah. mean, definitely. Yeah, there was a real camaraderie with folks. I mean, like Lisa and Brenda White King put me on, you know, because Lisa knew me before I moved before I moved here, mm-hmm. and she was Brenda, Brenda and. They all sort of t- took me under their wing, and they 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 put you into the, the the situations you need to be put into. So, what was your apprentice situation like? If you say that Lisa was a Luther disciple, yeah, who was your apprentice situation? That would probably be Roy Ayers then, because you know that was how I first got up there, up here. Up, where am I now? New York, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it was Roy Ayers. Roy you started to Ayers tell that story said, a little bit. Yeah, I got a lot of Roy story. But you said something like when you came to New York and you were. With Roy, like that's when you knew things were different. Like the way you entered New York was different. Than oh, it was just... wild as fuck. I mean, yeah, no, oh, yes. wild as fuck. Let it out. No FCC here. Okay, okay, we could do this. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, it was definitely a. a, a Put your clothes back on. Stop saying Victor. No, clothes. We have to keep clothes on. We have to keep clothes on. Darn. I was trying to let the girls free. Hey, I love that song. Another me too moment. Or to me moment. I don't know which one. To me. <laughs> yes, oh, I like to that. Me. To me. Oh, new song. Hashtag to me. That's how songs come up right there. Okay, so, but. We'll get to that too. Yeah, Roy. So, so, so Roy, so Roy uh, he, I met him mm. 
in when I was in playing with a group with Zachary Bro. I don't know if y'all know who he is. And we had to use his equipment, so we get he came to our show and stuff. And um, after the show, he was like, "I want you to come to New York. You want to be in my band?" I was like, "Uh, dirty old man." You know, that's kind of what I he thought. Said, okay, was, that's kind of what. I, no, I was like, "Ill." Okay, okay. That was He's right. Dad, I was like, Ill. "Good girl." I was, well, yeah, but yeah, I thought he was a, you know, just you know, pushing up really. So I went and told the band. I'm like, Roy Ayers asked me to, you know, come to New York. They were like, "Yo, let's go." And I, so I was like, wait, I wasn't really planning on accepting. <laughs> they were like, no, you got to just all go. So then I reached out to Roy and I said, Roy, yeah. So the whole band wants to be, says, well, I don't need the whole band. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so. I want you. Wow. Ooh, you. Uh, that's going to be. I love you too. I was like, that's going to be awkward because they got the van. They got the transportation to get me there. So, so. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sounds like someone else we know. <laughs> so, I'll give you a ride home. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, oh, that is also yeah. the D'Angelo story. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, okay. So. So I, I went, the whole band decided to come. I said, but they, he said he doesn't really need. So we got there and he took me and Zachary, bro. Mm-hmm. But uh, when we got there, uh, he had set us up to stay at William Allen's house. William Allen is an arranger, string arranger for all of those beautiful ubiquity arranged songs. He did all those string arrangements. And we were staying at, I was, no, Zach and I were staying at William Allen's apartment in Harlem. And it was February 21st, 1982. And it was like, you know, 47 inches of snow on the ground. And the cab, like, picked it. You know, Is that a gift of yours to recall dates? I remember this, definitely. Oh, just this story. Okay. I remember a lot of things like that, that, like, you're like, well, things that terrify you, you have a tendency to. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, because we, we, we passed. I mean, I'm from Dallas, okay? We have nice, large streets and stop signs and lights. Everybody follows the rules. So we got here. We passed by, like, two blocks. I'm like, sir, I think we passed the, I think it was back there. He just said, okay, put it in reverse and, and just like sped backwards, you know, like two and a half blocks in the snow and, you know, on a one-way street. And I was just scared shitless and we got there and we stayed at Williams and, um, and you know, there was, he didn't have a bed for us. He could barely walk to his house because he was a hoarder. <laughs> it was just, mm-hmm. <laughs> he had no food. And we were like, what can we eat? He said, whatever you find in the pantry. Open a pantry, roaches jumped <laughs> out. It was like, <laughs> this is mine. <laughs> <laughs> was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was like my introduction to New York. Yeah, back off. <laughs> I imagine roaches. a much freakier story. <laughs> like, back <laughs> off. No, I got a freaky story for Roy, but that's later. We'll oh, that's, that's why I thought you. Okay. I got a roach I, story. I got another freaky story. <laughs> yeah, that's another why I got roaches, no freak, that's freaky, freaky diggy. Go ahead. Let's go. So it's a whole other freaky Roy story. He's crazy. Roy was. I don't like, think I can tell it. I know. <laughs> 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 we had him on the show. Oh, you heard the story. We should have mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and tell it. No, that's okay. No, Roy's nuts, but yeah, that was. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean that was just my introduction to New York story. That's what. All right. So you. I mean, this was obviously just a conversation between the three of you. And you're saying that you met at this Luther, Luther Vandross show? Met Sandra. Yeah. Me and Pete met yeah. okay. a few yeah. years before that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were going to try out different singers, but I mean, I, I want to back a track. Actually, because you didn't ask, the person who was kind of really my mentor in a way mm-hmm. was Jeff, because 
He didn't know that, but he was kind no, of. I did. Yeah. 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 Time out. He's finding out right now. Yeah, 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 right now. In a way, how many interviews have y'all done know, together? No. Well, <laughs> he talked about. Well, the thing is, because I, I, like, I just come out of. I went to Howard University. You know. Uh, you yeah. know. I went to mm-hmm. Howard. You. No, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so I was there around the same time as Wayne Lindsay and uh, some other people. And uh, what year? What year? Huh? What year? I graduated. I graduated in '82. About like not that. Was Leroy Hudson? Yes. Uh, yeah. a, yes. The, was the, he a teacher there as well? Yes. Or just? Yeah, he was a teacher. He was a teacher there. Okay. Leo, yeah. Leroy Hudson. I think. I think that guy. I think you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, if, if that's who you're talking about. But uh, I wasn't even in the jazz band. But I. I had been. Uh, how the Renee, Renee and Angela thing. Right. I think right after I graduated or right something like that. Um, I was working with a friend who was a who was the who was a singer named Raymond Reader, a great singer. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Right. That and was the group, right? Right. Yeah, and uh, you had a female too, right? Right. They Norma. were going to turn us into another Shalimar. Okay. Norma yeah. So that's that who that's Norma who that's who we were going to be another Shalimar, right? Okay. All right. As you can see, it didn't quite work. But uh, <laughs> y'all can't but pop lock. Yeah, uh, couldn't pop. Yeah, six five popping don't really, <laughs> you know. Uh, um, look like Pinocchio or whatever trying to pop lock. But anyway, um, so so I was in that band, but that situation didn't work out. I won't get into the gory details of it, but then it didn't work out, and I went back to New York. But I wasn't really necessarily in the New York scene like Jeff was. Mm-hmm. You know, I would, sometimes I would hang with Jeff, and he was, he was working with Kashif, and I went with him up there, and a lot of people who were there were like, who, who's... Who's the guy over there? You know, and he, he's the weird guy. Who's the, the weird guy? You know, yes, and Jeff, the no, question. Jeff said, no, he's cool. That was the question. Yeah. <laughs> was the question? Yeah. I don't even yeah. remember. Yeah. 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 I went, went there, up there with me. They only I let me up remember. there once. Well, okay, but, okay. But 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 I, when I was up there once, there was a because she had a whole bunch of songwriters, and they were like working on stuff. We can need to come up with these ideas, and they said, well, you write songs, right? I said, yeah, I know. I write a little bit. So so I'm right now, and we were kind of jamming the idea, and I'm like, oh, yeah, and I can't. I started singing something, and they were like, oh, that's all right. That's cool. Uh, And then I left. I think about maybe a year later, I kind of heard what I was singing that day. But, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm not lying either. But, uh, but, (laughs) but, uh, so there was a, uh, like, uh, so I knew some of the people from Howard University, but in terms of, like, the New York crew and hanging all the singers and stuff, I didn't kind of really know as much as Sandra and Jeff. Um, but we, as we got a chance, we produce some records, like Jeff was saying, we got to do some stuff with Merlin Bob and Sylvie Rowan in Atlantic, and they said, why don't you do, guys do a producer album? And that's how it came about finding right, a singer. Right, right, But the thing is, since I was the outsider and the, and the fuck, most fucked up one of the group, all right, they didn't know, know people, you know, the interesting you're talking about that times and how people related. And because mm-hmm. It was I did, a click. It, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, it was a kind of a click. Yeah. I was never in kind of any, any clicks. And I'd be like, Jeff, can I, can I go with you? He said, yeah, no, he's cool. He's cool. The tall guy's cool. <laughs> you know, but it, but, it, but, it, but it affected kind of our sound and music because the 80s was a very unique time. I'm, a unique time. It was like the kind of bridge, as you know, between... Transition. Transition. It was mm-hmm. definitely transition. Transition. And, all, all, and I, all I know is whatever the fuck was going on in the 80s for me personally, I wasn't fucking digging. But I hadn't, yeah, yeah. Re- but I hadn't really realized what that was yet. So, so there was, these, these singers were really great, but there was a certain sound. So we started to make our album, Why Sajja Fit In. All these singers, they would like... And it came from a little bit from the Kashif school. He made some real dope records. It was like... It was a type of singing back then with background singers. Love come yeah. down. You know, that kind yeah. of. And they were, that shit was tight. This is my favorite yeah. episode yeah. of my podcast ever. Yeah, yeah. This, this is my dream. This, yeah. this is like talking to three Amirs, like all this random information. Right. I don't have to say shit. Right. No, no. She was like, hey, who, ha, he. 
but you know, but but Sandra, when she sang, she was like, ah! she was a siren. She was that fucking Tina Turner kind of like, my shit is unbridled. I'm trying to be hee hoo hoo. But I wasn't really into that. So you didn't like the sheen yeah, and the I professionalism. Wasn't, I, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't know of, what that thing was. And we were doing backgrounds of the album. I'd be like, could you guys not make it so clean? And they'd be like, what's wrong? That was a, a, a Jackie Leeson double take for those on radio who didn't see what I just did. <laughs> I see, I see. Yeah, Dad, who's Jackie Leeson? But anyway. <laughs> um, so, uh, so in terms of... Sandra just fit into an energy that that we had and we knew naturally, and we need, and even with our first album chapters, we hadn't really locked in quite to yeah, what exactly. that thing was. Yeah, yeah. But all I knew was I didn't want to hear the shit I had been hearing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. okay well, let's get to that. I think we could safely assume that the 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 most defined sound of what the '80s was, at least. For the beginning of the 80s to the mid 80s, I mean, was the kind of sound that Prince crafted that well, Minnesota? But there was Boogie, I know, yeah. with, yes. with with the work that Kashif did and everything, yeah. and and yeah. and, and um, in Brooklyn, uh, he did big time with James uh, uh, Leroy Burgess and oh, yeah. Yeah. any Leroy Burgess. Uh, well, Vijay, you work with everyone. Did you? Oh, my life is a blur in terms of that. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I have worked with a lot of people. I mean, the '80s to me. I mean, I thought I think the '70s to me was like the best time for music. Of I course, mean, like, well, yeah. duh. You know, but 60s, I just meant, but 70s, the '80s yeah. was transitional to yeah. me because the it, the sound just changed, and I thought yeah. people were just trying to figure things out in terms of of the sound sonically. Everything kind of just sounded stiff and 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 perfect. And we just kind of had to go through that. I mean, even today, as much as we can get to anything that we want, sometimes sonically things just sound kind of over-quantized to me. Hell yeah. Yeah, everything just sounds kind of over-quantized. Yeah. And it's, Too it's not bad. It's not good. It's not a bad thing or a good thing, it's, but it's a thing. So It's numbing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's numbing. You know, because the funny thing is I went to, to visit my son over the Christmas holidays, you know, I mean, I don't really celebrate Christmas, but, you know, I had to go see my son. So mm-hmm. we, he was taking me back to the airport and we were listening to all his music, right? And I'm hearing one song and everything sounds perfect. Everything, you know, harmonies, big drums, everybody's into the loudness and the, you know. So this one song comes on by this girl, I forgot her name, but it sounded so soulful, harmonies. As soon as the song finish me and my son started laughing at the same time we started laughing at the same now you know he's my son but he realized that everything sounded the same and there's always like just kind of one song that will kind of stick out and you realize how fucked up things have kind of gotten and everybody's kind of just playing the you know i gotta sound like the last thing you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you know I was, was I making a point here? Yeah. Or was yeah. I just kind of yeah. rambling? Everything right? sounds the same. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. But in the 80s, you have to choose a path. and For sure. It's like there's Boogie. There's the Minneapolis Prince Sound. Yeah. Um, there's also hip hop. How are you guys yeah. wrestling with what hip hop has become I and think, the fact that uh, you're developing a craft, but yet well, you're people that just seem to... Well, I think what the what the key transition was for uh, 
us and then how, how it leads musically is that there, there was this link with 60s and 70s children right. music. So, but then the music got electronic and slick. Right. But 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 what the bridge was was hip hop. So hip hop was feeding off of that rawness from the James Brown and the drums and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And the, right. in the late 80s in, in though. The, in the late in the yeah it was but starting yeah in the mid 80s like have you guys dealt with Larry Smith or. Just, uh, I'm yeah, just throwing I mean, out yeah, New York he, names. Like, yeah, I know him. I mean, yeah, I don't know him personally. But I don't know him personally, but I I know of him. I know of him. Yeah. I know of him. I, I I think the thought was what I was getting to is like we did a, a session. I went to. A, I was found to Jeff uh, carrying Jeff's bags to a session one day, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was and I would just you know, lots of I would just sit there and, and, and be quiet and listen to people. And it was they were doing a hip hop rec, hip hop record, and I was listening to it and I was like. You know, at that particular time, I hadn't really heard yet somebody bring the sensibilities of hit, hip-hop of the drums that was happening underneath with a melodic song, kind of, mm-hmm. at that particular time. So that concept of bringing that together, and plus, there was, a, there was starting to be on the on East Coast certain rock records that I heard that I liked, and just, and then listening to more like soulful stuff and since we were called the stand we were going to become the family stand and change our name because Yvonne Jeffries in the stand was too confusing uh that story we can get to it at a later yes. time yeah but um um that's what led to ghetto heaven that that idea of let me sing a song over this within the context of this hip-hop roar-ish type of beat it's time to make some ghetto heaven ghetto I'm gonna tell them how Ghetto Heaven came to be. You know what is Ghetto Heaven? Now, now I love that we're gonna yeah, break me... down the song before I even get to how you guys got your group name. But okay, let's go. Okay. You want me to tell you how the yes. song came to be? Yes. You know, um, Salam Remy. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. He was kind of the inspiration for that song because when we were on our first album, mm-hmm. you know, we did the first album. The record company. You know, we were like that group that they didn't exactly know what to do with us. Mm-hmm. So they kind of fucked us around and, you know. Kinda. So I said, I, I knew Sarah. Who's your A&R? Who's our A&R? Merlin Bob. Merlin Bob, Bob yeah. right? Wait, y'all were on Electra? We were that on, was Atlantic. That was Atlantic, was Atlantic So Merlin Bob was at Atlantic, Atlantic. first? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, they were getting, I remember his electric no, so, phase with Sylvia. Sylvia went together. They together. were. Sylvia. They both they went together. Both, okay, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. I forgot. Sorry. Yeah, they they were getting us all. Me and Pete all the production work. You know. Okay. But anyway, after that first album, I knew uh, Salam Remy's father because him and I grew up together. We did the Chitlin Circuit. You know, we did a lot of sessions together. Mm-hmm. So I said, Pete, we need to go talk to my friend uh, Van Van Gibbs, right? So Van was over there on 54th Street and 11th Avenue. I said I set up a meeting him so we could kind of talk because we were getting kind of frustrated with what the record company was not doing for us. And uh, we had our, our little talk, and then we heard this music coming in, coming from the basement. So I said, what's that? He said, that's my son. His name is – I knew – he. You know, that's my son, Salam. He's going to be a producer. He said, "You want to?" He said, "You want to go down and listen?" So we went down and listened to the music, and then Peach <laughs> listened to the music. He said, "He came over, listened to me, say, I got an idea.'" <laughs> he said, "I got an idea." So after we left Vans, we went straight back to Ebbsfield. 
before we and worked, worked on Ghetto <laughs> Heaven. Yeah. Came up with a drum beat. Came, <laughs> came, came up with a drum beat. The now, if you remember the the original version of Red Ghetto drummer. Heaven with yeah. Funky yeah. Drummer. Came up with a bass line. That came from, because I, I was in love with Cool Moe D. And I said, what? Jeff, I, I was in love with Cool Moe D. What's that? He had a song, The Wild Wild West. So then I, that's why I said, Oh, Kimmy. I didn't even know that. You remember? I, talk, so I, I said, I like that bass line. Why get the feeling y'all just mean each other right now? I didn't know that bass line. Yeah, so then you you said, boom, boom, boom. But do 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 do. So so he was like, boom boom boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom boom. I was like, I love that baseline. So then you like sort of fucked with it until you twisted a little. So bit. the record company heard it. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. See that this is the piece the 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 piece that I always remember about the the inspiration of Ghetto Heaven because the Salam thing was part of that. But also the we had gone to the label. We had submitted the whole record. Oh, right. right. We right. Had submitted exactly. the whole album, and they were like, Yo, this is dope. This is dope. We didn't hear no singles. Yeah, yeah. So we were like, son of a, and so we were like so excited, we was excited about the album, and we and disappointed that they didn't hear, you know, because we felt like there were singles, you know. There was change. So right? It was change. So we like, I remember, go, I remember, you know, eventually getting back to the studio it was like, you know, it was just like they just want nursery rhymes. They just want nursery rhymes. That's what we were like. I know story. I love my baby. No, I love my baby. That's like, I remember he that. He did the same thing with, with uh, Rush Rush. Yeah, right. Rush Rush. Right. Rush Rush was a dare. Well, well, wait, yeah. wait, wait time out. Was Rush Rush the last song done for Spellbound? <laughs> no. No, no. No. It was the first song. Was the first one. I, I, you did the like, same formula. Not, <laughs> exactly not, right. Well, no, no. No, no it wasn't. Really. Kind of, nah, it wasn't. Well, no. well, well, you want to hear the Rush Rush story? I asked, yeah, I asked yeah, you. To, I said you can't. It. You no. can't play. You can't write a song with just two chords. No, said, bling, no, bling. no, no. That wasn't it. That was <laughs> what I was. That was big <laughs> part. Of it. Man. But no, the other part was no. At the time, <laughs> what happened? What happened was. What well, happened well, usually was. what happens is you know at the time. Babyface was writing a lot of songs. We would go back and drink. And Babyface is a great songwriter, of course. I love him. But I, but I would say to her, I can write those songs in my, in my sleep. sleep. Oh. <laughs> so did you purposely use the DX7 patch just to, as a point of sarcasm? No, or? it wasn't. It wasn't the, but the sarcasm was, I literally said, because I, I knew what his thing was. The thing was, there was the way he hit the beat. So I was like... I jokingly went to the piano and I said, You're the whisper of a summer breeze. <laughs> You're the kiss that puts my soul at ease. And I, I, was, I was like, oh, that Got sounds nice. good. And that's, that's the first two things I said. But there was a way he used, he would write songs that kind of go, I want to run, I want to try, I'm going to take to you. On my heart, on my son. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, pocket to, a, to yeah. a song and every song already has their pocket so once you figure out what the mofo's pocket is you would be like oh you want a that type of song you want a that type of song that's the pocket of that thing so it's all of take that <laughs> oh wow so that's it my brother yo <laughs> who you texting I gotta here? do this who you calling I, I gotta baby do face this. yo this dude said I gotta do this wait I gotta do this we had him on the show I gotta do this hang on please pick up what time is it on the... Oh, it's... Okay. Just pick up, please. I meant to tell him that when I met him, too, but he wasn't... He was paying no mind. He <laughs> it's not a butt, though. Okay. <laughs> it's an odd time. Pick it's up. six o'clock. It's... He 
Damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. I'm officially calling Jimmy Jam to let him know that oh. he's officially my second favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Quest Love Supreme you episode. Left him a message. Left him a message. Left him a message. No, he oh, got all back. I think he thinks that I'm butt dialing. But oh, I got That's I got hilarious. Jimmy Jam. Just, just bring him. Bring him. No, I no, I love because it, it really was for oh, Jimmy yeah. Jam because the, the 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 first song that I did we kind of did it together, but I did this this track with this song uh, for this girl named Janice Christie. Okay. Yeah, right. Heat stroke. Heat stroke. It's one of the worst songs yeah. I ever wrote, but it, but it came a little bit of a hit. But, it was a hit, though. But it was a hit. It what was year of, was this? This is 1986 or 87, something like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Janet Jackson's record had come out, so everybody was trying to do that. Uh, what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. Um, and what was that? What was uh, what was that um, song by that group? That album? No, but it was another group. There's another song that came out. Alice be my girl. Um, full Force? Full Force. Full Force had a record, right? That was really I dope. I want you just for me. Yeah, but it, yes. so so the bass line for Heatstroke was a kind of a combination of blip, blip, for Jimmy. Blip, 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 and, right. and they was like, so it was like. That sounds kind of funky. You know, so so it was that. And the song was horrible too. He ducked. Stroke okay. up. Okay. I'm yeah. burning up. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, for the moment, it was kind of fly. Though. It was, it was fly for fly the time. Though, yeah. But usually, my joke songs are the ones end up being hits. But I'm trying to be all. That's deep what and, happens. And all the like, joke I'm songs, all the hits. Yes. Yeah, so. I swear to God, Ghetto Heaven, Rush, Rush. So all these joke songs. Like Promise of a New is? Day. Even he is. Oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. I was serious about that. I was serious about that. But notice, he put that one out under another name. No, you noticed. He did an Alan Smithy. Yeah, that was really dumb too. Why? Because at the time, because I never knew till. Because in 2000, around 2004, I'm like, they're not checking for us anymore. I'm taking my name to Joshua Nile sure so they did. think I'm a new young hip hop like, cat. Oh, God. <laughs> Which was the dumbest shit I ever oh, did in my, my fucking life. Oh, sorry. No, you don't know about that? <laughs> Stop. Stop editing oh, yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you don't know about Josh so, Joshua Nile? Yeah, so yeah. I wrote he. We did our research. So wrote, oh, so we did, he, he is. And it was, but the thing is, what inspired that was, again, going back to hip hop. Um, what was. There was this record that I love, Broken Language or Broken Broken Language by Smooth Duck. Yeah, yeah, that track. It was like so, yes, so, so. He was like the mind, the 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 the. So I'm like, he is the dope elector, the dope elector, the dim. That's what's going on. So, so that's what. So when you combine, motherfucker, yo, when I hear her that song, you're right. The cocaine cooker, the hookup on your hooker hooker, the 35 cent shorts on my two for fives overlooker, the rap burner, the Ike the Tina Turner, ass whipping learner, the hitman, the money earner. The t- Oh God! <laughs> so that's oh, so that's shit. the connection that's between you know the soul and the hip. I'm just taking that was your r and "Broken Language" by Smooth the Hustler. Yeah, wow. basically, you know. <laughs> Call Jimmy Jam back. Yeah, Call him back. Know, so, Call him back. Yeah. Jimmy, is, oh, it's your number two now. You know what? The, the, interest, the interesting <laughs> thing about that project that I remember too is that oh, I remember sorry. them taking a long time to get back to us about oh, doing yeah. the song because and we almost thought that they didn't want to do the song and we almost thought that maybe they were trying to get somebody else to produce the song and it was like it was just kind of a weird thing and i think we almost gave the song away yeah well the problem was they didn't 
they didn't intend for the first single to come from us. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> they didn't and, intend for the first single to come from yeah, us. And, and, and so, but they and, made the right choice. They made the right choice. But, <laughs> okay, finally. But, but around about that album, though, is and, 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 and go back to Jimmy and Terry, because we love, love, love them. One of our Absolutely. famous, I mean, but they, the, that's their second single was, uh, I wish I don't, da 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 uh, yeah, I think it was called I Wish or something. Yeah. But there's a song we had on there called Four Words from a Heartbreak. Yeah, yeah. There was a really dope song that actually... Uh, should have uh, been the next single. Should have been the next single. But, but it was a, gonna it, go that route. But it was a tie, so it was good. But, we, but you know, a lot of times with the music industry is politics and, you know... Um, yeah, and, and we and we and we get it though, but and we the name and we actually had offered that, so I think we had tried to get it to Whitney Houston, and then I think uh, Satan, I'm sorry, Chris, um, um, Clive Davis, Clive Davis, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, you gotta let that sit for a minute. I didn't know that MySpace is still a thing. It is. Well, I mean, maybe in the archive world, wherever that thing is. Unfortunately, my uh, whatever the bio in my MySpace thing is like Clive Davis is the devil. (laughs) And someone from Arizona called me out on that shit. They did? Yeah. Clive don't know. Uh, fuck him. Okay. But fuck now em, I just said em, it. Fuck em. Anyway. You getting them invites to them dinners, though? I wasn't invited in the first place, so it's all right. <laughs> that's why I created the, the uh, yeah, no, right. Grammy Jam session. The was on the no. same night. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's I love right. everybody. I love everybody. <laughs> all right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
Oh, wait. Uh, oh, yo. The, my mind is about to explode right now. Because we're all over the place. All right. So okay, since, we're, since we're... No, no. We're just being sporadic. Yeah. This is what I want to know. Because when I got word that you guys were producing Spellbound... Paula Abdul's second album. Yes. Her second album. Her follow-up to her... I mean, her. It was a massive record. For yeah, I mean, girl. "Forever Your Girl" was more like an industry that yeah, built yeah. Virgin, mm-hmm. and opportunities like that don't come. They don't. That story doesn't happen. How, when when I heard you guys were producing it and the line share of the record, I was like, "Yo, like how? Yeah." That's from him playing in her house, playing the piano, and <laughs> I mean, how did that happen? How did it happen? Because I would have thought, okay, uh, well, okay, knocked out. That was upstart Ellie and Babyface, mm-hmm. but now that they're the shit, let's let's yeah. like she's an industry now. Y'all yeah. were doing aftershock first. She right? wanted to do. Yeah, she wanted to do something different. She was. Yeah. This is where she I wanted to make an artistic she, statement. Yeah, she, she wanted. Did. She, she did. wanted. She didn't she want to feed do, them. Machine? No, she didn't want to do. She felt like she was. She wanted she was to big do something different to move past that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why I give and they her, let her, give her a lot that? of credit. She was big enough well, to make her yeah. own. And, and, and she's really underestimated in terms of her artistic and her uh, intellect and and discipline. Yes. Um, so she, well, she heard Rush Rush, so she flipped over that, and then and we were working with a group called Aftershock that we did an uh, album for Virgin. So that's how she kind of heard about us. Mm-hmm. And after she heard Rush Rush, she loved that. And then what else did we, we write? Then I think. Blown kisses in the Blown wind. Blown kisses in the wind. Promise of a new day. Yeah, promise of a new. And then we, marry yeah. me. So did I hear that? Promise of a yeah. new day was so dark. The way those dissonant strings came in. Yeah. <laughs> no, but 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 the juxtaposition yeah, of the video being the so sunny and everything yeah, yeah. and everything. I was like, yo. But listen, my, the coolest song on there. I'm sorry, it was Vibology. Oh, oh, Vibology. What pissed me off? What happened? What what? I think the MTV Award performance did it. That did it in. It did because literally the next day. Yeah, we were watching it. We're watching. Well, oh shit. So the next day. <laughs> radio, the, they, the, uh, the managers told us, yo, Reddy is literally saying, you're not sending us the fat song, are you? Ain't that a bitch? Wow. Yo, man. And she so was radio fa- was, she was, wasn't even fat. It was just, okay, just can, I, can I put in context? I gotta go look at the, like, you, I'm Googling the video. So okay. she, she, no, it's not even the video. It's she the performed performer. at the at MTV this, Awards. Yes. <laughs> and MTV. because, you know, I mean, pre-social media, I don't even know how people managed to collect. Like, I knew the collective thought was that, oh, my God, what happened to Paula? Exactly. Yeah. It was and ridiculous. they blamed the song. Right. They blamed the and song. And I liked the that song. That was the next single. Wait, what did they And what, they, what, they, they, like, they just sort of changed my mom. No, no. It was literally no. her costume. You know when you have, like, the... Man, uh, she had a, she had a weird costume on and, with and some wireless, headlights on the and wireless, or, But it was a wireless microphone, I think, something on the back or something that kind of made it jet out funny. Right. So the angles caught it. So it made it look... She's two pounds, if that, and it made it look like she was... She's like three pounds. Yeah. Three. Yeah, exactly. So, so literally, the radio was because they were sending the single the next day. They were like, you're not sending us the fat song. And, uh, it, and yeah. it, just, it just, it killed the momentum of that song. And honestly, I mean, if I'm, if I'm going to tell you that, that perform that, the backgrounds on that song for me is the most proud I am of any background I've done recorded in my career because of the fact that I got to use my classical training. Uh, the all of that. I did all of them voices from the bar to the ah, 
Wait, I did all of those. Can we can I ask you about that? Because Bill sent a video, uh, audio of when she was in high school, and I was like, this can't really be Sandra. It how was you like it was like the opera. I do. We're I, nerds. What? I know how to find things. Uh oh, we're nerds. Good? We're the government. Uh-oh. We're the government. <laughs> Hope they don't find that Vanessa Del Rio tape. Oh! <laughs> oh, that's, that's yeah, play school that's now. That's another thing. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Well, wait, Sandra, St. Victor. Range, ma'am. Well, no, I mean, I was trained. I mean, you know, I went to, like, music and art, where Erica went, right. where, where Roy Hargrove went, Nora Jones. And all that shit went out the window when she shit. made us. Listen. They told me to stop being so perfect. And I was, I, he, you know, it was like, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> rock and roll. Can you? I might like, did it race. Can you still hit the? You st- you still got? Yeah, of course. Do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's in you, you know. So the 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 classical training never leaves you, but the 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 that's what I got. The 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 best training I got isn't being in the studio. Pete and Jeff telling me the feel is the most important yeah, exactly. thing. The feel. Don't exactly. lose the feel. Don't I'm like, can I do that again? That. They're like, no, I felt good. You're not doing it again. I'm like, please, can I do it again? Like, nope. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. Don't, they didn't let me, you know, Never perfect the it. Feel. They don't let me perfect, perfect it. So, you know, they're like that. My so after two takes, like then it's like, if, that's when, a Whenever the take is right. Whenever the take is right, And yeah. I want it to be like something else, but if it feels right, and they, they both end up like, you know, they're like that, and Mark Batson is like that. These are those producers don't care if the note is right, if the, the if the if the 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 pronunciation. They want the take to mm-hmm. feel right. That's the 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 prime objective. So you know th- that's important because you know I listen. I was actually today listening to a bunch of like you know seventies and eighties stuff like Gene Carn and. Mm. You know, infant eyes, and I'm like, she ain't singing it. It ain't like perfect. It's about the feel. It's about, you right. know, it's about where where she's where she's coming from with the note. It's not about where the note what where the note lands. Right. Where she come from? But it's funny because she still has a similar background as you, where she knows how to do it classically. Oh yeah, she's classically trained too. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jeff, you're not getting away with this. I'm sorry. Come on, man. Oh, no, come on, man. I have to at least back up the train at least 15 years just to start okay. with. Well, for so for starters, you were taught by Youssef Latif. No, I studied with him for a second in college. It, for a second in, I wasn't taught by him. I was. I went to Borough of Manhattan Community College for about a year. That was just my extent of college because once I. Made it out of high school. I don't know how. I said, let me give college a try. So I got in there and and I studied with him for a little while. And he was, you know, he was showing me some things. I, in fact, I didn't even know he, he played flute. I didn't know the flute was his thing. Right. And, you know, I would just, once a week, I go and he, you know, we just do some private lesson things. And, you know, that's about my extent, the extent of me studying with him. What is your preferred weapon of choice as far as your arsenal? Is it soprano, alto, tenor? I've flute? been playing a lot of soprano lately. Uh, I don't, I don't want to. I mean, gun to your head. What do you? What's what's your axe? Because you have so many tenor. tenor. Don't say gun to tenor with this guy. Good one. You are on that one. Put my shit on tenor. Man. But I've been playing a lot of soprano. Probably the last maybe maybe 
four or five years. Yeah. I've been playing a lot of soprano, a okay. lot of soprano. Can I love I, you on Barry, though. Huh? I love you on Barry. I love you on Barry, too, but that doesn't make <laughs> me enough. <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask you. Okay, so here's the question I have. So our particular sax player, uh, Ian, uh, what's Ian's last name? Hend- oh. Hendrickson Smith. Ian Hendrickson Smith. <laughs> okay. Uh, formerly of the Dap Kings. Oh, okay. Um, and so the thing is that Ian hates when I make him break out the soprano. He doesn't Now, like for soprano. us, it's hilarious, but he hates the sheen associated with Kenny the soprano. Uh, well, I mean, that, and, you know, it's, it's almost like, I, I guess the unwritten rule is, like, after Coltrane, okay. yeah. you know, is done with it. <laughs> Who else wants to? And more power to Wayne Shorter. More power to, you know, I know there are other greats that have touched. Yeah, I didn't like Coltrane's sound on Soprano. You serious? I didn't, I didn't like his sound on Soprano. You're the, you are one of a kind. I didn't like his sound on Soprano. And he said it loud, Tana, yes. Tana, he's my favorite all time, but Soprano, I didn't like I didn't like his tone on Soprano. Who did you like on Soprano? I like Wayne Shorter. Oh, yeah, okay. So I you like feel Shorter. the definitive sound of the Soprano sax is Wayne Shorter? No, not the definitive sound. I just His sound just connects with me more on Soprano. Coltrane, because I think he got, if I remember correctly, that was something that was a gift from Miles, right? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, he picked it up. I guess he was trying to do something. But I wasn't crazy about the, his sound, sonically his sound. I wasn't crazy about so his So what were sound. you looking for as I far as engineering? I wasn't looking for anything. Or? I wasn't looking for anything. It just wasn't connecting me. It just sounded kind of... Contrived. No, not even contrived. I think he was sincere about what he was doing, but it just didn't sound... It wasn't for you. It wasn't for me. That's the what, best so way So what's your favorite it. period of Coltrane then? Giant it, Steps. All right, his mid-period. Or even Pre-spiritual that, or... No, the, the stuff when he you started You don't like the out, primitive and... The stuff when he started... I mean, I like the... Um, I mean, the stuff where he started going out, it just got a little bit too out for me, you okay. know? But uh, the era of Giant Steps before that, you know, stuff he was doing in the 60s with Miles, was I loved all of that stuff. I mean, he had, like, a sound to me. He just had, his sound just connected. I remember... So who's your sax god, then? Because I just is, naturally I assume that everyone worships the culture, no matter what. Yeah, Coltrane, no matter what. I mean, I like Michael Brecker. He was like the the that cat to me. Um, Unsung hero, okay. You know, uh, I mean, those two guys. I mean, there's just so many guys. I mean, I could go back to Dexter Gordon. And Ooh, Prez was sound. his, had his own Ooh. sound, you know, the smooth thing. Uh, like Bird was just, yeah. Bird was fast. I mean, Ah, man, Bird was just, so, uh, I don't know, man. Bird okay, so explain to me, because the thing is that you managed to capture, the one The one thing I always hear about when uh, an iconic solo is captured in a song, mm-hmm. it's always the same story, and the story is, okay, guys, I'm ready to cut it. Nope, we got it already. Thank <laughs> you was... very much. I know that's your story. Yeah. But are you once did you know that you captured lightning in a bottle with with your saxophone solo on uh, Caribbean? Queen? No, no, that that I have to give credit to 
the producer, Keith Diamond, at the time, because he was the one that he knew pretty much what he wanted in terms of 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 the song. So we would just take sections because, I mean, I went into the studio and I was just kind of get trying to get a feel of what the song was, and they had the tape rolling. He told Bob Rosa to roll the tape while I was playing, and I was in front of the mic. They were trying to get a sound. So I said, okay, I think I got something. And then he said, no, come on in. <laughs> so you were just and warming said, up. Huh? You were I was just warming just up. up. You didn't beg me I, to let me just do a take of it? and No, no, that song, that song was pieces, because he had the whole tape rolling, and he took pieces of what I played throughout the, from the beginning of the song to the end. I want you to play this part here. And we just kind of constructed the solo. And the, and the interesting thing about it is like after that song blew up, man, I was getting calls like <laughs> everybody and their mother was, was calling me. <laughs> and my friend Van, he said, yo, Jeff, you need to start charging people because I was undercharging people. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, your shit is hot. You need to get paid for it. So I just started charging people. Going up and a little were, more. Yeah. I went up a lot more. <laughs> I will say, I went up a Steve, lot more. Steve can attest to this. So when Billy Ocean finally agreed to come on a show, and this is after six long years of begging him, <laughs> please come on The Tonight Show. Please, please, please. What does he like? I just want to know what he's like. And he finally agrees to come to the show, and we're losing our shit. And then I'm looking at Ian, our sax player, and we were like, dude, you have to do it note for fucking (laughs) note. And (laughs) did we spend two hours just singing that shit to him? But we don't know that. Like, like everybody Everybody knows, knows, like, between that solo and Carolyn's Whisper, those are the solos. But here's the thing, though. It's like... I know a lot of Tariq's lyrics. Uh-huh. Tariq, you know, I mean, Tariq will, let me, let me not misrepresent him. I think the average person knows, like, can, can retain, like, maybe 75 songs or 75, those things. But it's just like. I mean, I know that song because I DJ it so much. I, you know, watch TV You're all the time. You're an American. And Americans who were born before 80 have to know that, that yeah, note but for Chief, note. That, that Chief solo. is like, like, she mentioned, Chief is like deep, like, he's like Doug Karn. Um, he's free oh, he jazz. fancy. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 Boozy no. jazz. Boozy jazz. It's not boozy. It's like he's more <laughs> avant-garde. That's where his heart is. I mean, he made his meat and potatoes as the Dap King, so all that, like... You don't think it's bougie when you don't know the solo to Caribbean? Come on, man. No, no, no. You know it, but I don't think, like, any anybody that's on The Tonight Show now... Mm-hmm. Like, again, my story is that I didn't grow up saying, hey, one day I'm going to be the new Doc Severson of The Tonight Show. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened. Right. And I'm prepared for it, but yeah. part of the job of being on The Tonight Show is that you... All the uh, uh, pop culture mm-hmm. sponging that you've done in your life, everything you've learned, now gets utilized on the show. So, you know, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. you know that solo, but it's like now you got to execute it perfectly. Execute it. That's different. Near, 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 near. Well, yeah, that's no, that's yeah. that's, 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 that's I'm sorry, wait, no. Is, I love that solo, man. Wait, wait. 
When's the last time you had to play that solo verbatim? Or don't tell me 35 years ago after I did it, that was it. When I had to play it? Yes. I can't I can't. You didn't remember. tour with him at all or Oh no, 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 no. The only oh, wow. two times I, I really played with him was one night the week the night he was on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. He did two nights at Radio City. Those were the only times that I ever played with, with Billy. And ironically the, the last night that I played with him was when I lost the horn that that oh, I had. Oh, because we went Wait, out you literally lost that horn. No, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> After the show, you know, because he sold out Radio City two nights. I sat in with him two nights. The second night we went and we, after the show, we went to kind of celebrate, you know, went up, got a couple of drinks. I went down into the, after we were done, I went down into oh, the no. garage Don't to get my car. Um, The guy brought my car. My horn was in the back of the car. I didn't put it in the car yet. I paid, went and paid for the car and drove off and left my horn. When I got home, I looked in the trunk. I was like, oh, shit. So I went back to the garage. Of course, they didn't see nothing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. they, didn't see, they didn't see nobody saw anything. And so the only time I ever see that horn is for reruns of Saturday Night Live. And ironically, somewhere Mike, in life, there's like some grandkid somebody, that got a saxophone yeah. for church. Yeah, yeah. Not knowing what they just got. Yeah, well, well, somebody, yeah, some. Jesus Christ. That thing should be in the Blacksonian. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> Blacksonian, yeah. yeah. So, Sandra. Yes, yeah, Okay, so your journey is just as rich as well. <laughs> I tell you, we're not even going to get. Probably get to the fam- family stamp. This is almost like a nine-part episode. Open How much? This how is much? Fun. How much pounding of the pavement did you do in New York? Uh, oh wait, can you wait one second, please? Uh-oh. We're getting a phone call. Oh really? We're getting a phone call right oh, now. Are we? Uh, James Harris the third. Yes, sir. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm I'm currently right now <laughs> taping an episode of Quest Love Supreme. Okay. Um, I regret to inform you of this, and I've, I've made it public. <laughs> I've declared my loyalty, my allegiance to you since the history of my show. Yes. But, but you are now officially in second place. As my- <laughs> <laughs> you hang up. You hang up. You you've been you've you've been, demoted, you've, been yeah. you've been demoted to second place because. The Family Stand episode is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Is that right? Yes, yeah. I'm currently right now with, with V. Jeffrey, Sandra St. Victor, and Peter. Okay. And, I, yeah, I had to tell you that live on the air that... We love you, bro, by we the way. You, we love you, sweetie. You know that. Thank you for giving, giving me the, the heads love, up on Prince. I don't need sympathy, love. No! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sandra! They gotta hit you on serious radio, by the way. Now they're like, they're gonna do your show. Yes, I know. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes. We wanna come on your show. We'll be too. there. We'll be there. Just call us. More sympathy love. More sympathy love. 
I'm sorry. This is the craziest. The, the stories I've heard. It's you know, like we're very organized. We're going in chronological order. No, it's just to, going no. all over the place. It's not it's I, not really I can't happening. wait to hear it, man. Yes, man. Anyway, I just want to let you know you're number two, but you're still number one. But we you're cool, number two you now. Cool, you cool. This ain't gonna but be six I'm, I'm hours. Would you I'm say? Still number one as a so- I'm still number one as a solo act, though. Yes. Oh, <laughs> you're the number one solo act. Right. Thank, you. Thank you. I'm just going to keep my category together. All right. You're, the, you're still the number one solo act on Quest Love Supreme. Thank okay, you. Okay, perfect. Okay, thank you. All right, bro. I'll talk to you later. Bye. All, right, All right, bro. That's hilarious. Oh, God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up. Hold up. Wait a minute. All right. You know when you hear my voice, sorry, you're disappointed, but you're going to have to wait seven more days to get, this is beyond tea. This is, this is, wow. I can't even describe what you're experiencing right now. I think this is probably shaping up to be one of my favorite episodes. And I know I went on record to say that Jimmy Jam had the absolute best episode of Questlove Supreme, but this might be neck and neck. I don't know. I'm going to have to ask the rest of the team Supreme. So please join us next week for part two of this legend, already legendary classic, instant classic episode of The Family Stand on Questlove Supreme. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.